Good morning, Timberline. Man, I'm excited about our time that we have this morning. Our sermon text is going to be Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Uh, I've been thinking about this text probably uh, since late February, beginning of March. It's been on my mind, so just kind of been wrestling with it. So I'm excited that we get to walk through it today. In this text, Jesus is going to talk about anxiety. In fact, three times he's going to say, do not be anxious. Five times he's just going to mention the word anxious. Now I just want you to think, at a time like this, how practical that is. I mean, we are right now in a in what we call a global pandemic. The coronavirus is everywhere and life is being altered in, in many, many ways. Uh, some people have lost their jobs. Some people have just been laid off temporarily, but thus they're not working, thus they're not making money. Uh, we have uh, people who um, are having difficult time just finding resources. Toilet paper is hard uh, to find. Sanitizer is hard to find. We have finances are tight. People are told to stay in their houses. And in fact, when you do go out, there's just kind of this look of fear. People have gloves on. People have masks on. Everyone is just trying to stay clean, to not be contaminated by this virus. Uh, senior graduations are canceled. I believe the Olympics are canceled, although I'm not 100% sure on that. And one of the things that I've really noticed is that our routines have been thrown off. Uh, I did not realize what a person of routine that I am. I mean, it's one thing kind of when you go on vacation and your routine is off, but this is a forced uh, kind of the routine and the natural order of things has just been totally undone. Each day just feels like, well, we'll just see what happens today. In fact, I've talked to different pastors and just different guys, and everyone has kind of wrestled with, it just feels strange, not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. I was also talking to some people who just have special needs children, and they were letting me know with this routine being thrown off, it has really affected their family life, it has affected their children. Oftentimes, uh, these, some of their children would then be going to uh, organizations that would be able to especially care, provide resources for them. Well, all of those things have stopped, and so home life has been greatly changed. All that to say is... There's a lot to be anxious about, and we've only talked about just a few things that have been really occurring just within the last few weeks because of this coronavirus. We're not even talking about the, the thousands or millions of things that seek to make us anxious just in everyday, normal parts of life. And so in our text today, Jesus is going to say, do not be anxious. So how? How is it that Jesus can come and say that? Well, so before we look at our text, let me just give a little bit of context. The Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, is all about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, meaning what it means to be a follower of Jesus, one who has believed in Jesus Christ, has been forgiven of their sins by the grace of God, who has been adopted into the family of God, who has been given the righteousness of God, the Spirit of God indwells upon them. They have also been made citizens of God's kingdom. And so it is these people that Jesus is saying, do not be anxious. And uh, just prior to our text, 
In verses 19 through 24, Jesus walks through why we're not to be anxious and how we're to look at the things of this world. He says that as disciples, as citizens of God's kingdom, like in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because things on earth are going to eventually pass away. They don't last. He says, rather we should lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither wrath, wrath, moth nor rust will destroy nor thieves can take. He then says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve God and money. Now in the first century, you would have a slave who would live within a house and that slave would serve the master of that house. It would be inconceivable for a, a slave to serve a master in one house and then also at the same time serve a master in another house. He couldn't be in two places at one time. He would have to choose which master he would serve. And that is what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, as citizens of God's kingdom, we're not able to serve money and possessions and ourselves and make ourselves the God of everything and also serve the one true God of the Bible. We must serve one or the other. And as citizens of God's kingdom, those who have been saved by Jesus, he says, we serve God. Our priority in life is to serve and worship God. And for us, who have been saved by the grace of God, he says, do not be anxious. And so what I want to do now is I want to uh, read our text, and I want to encourage you to stand as we read this, one of the things we do at Timberlands, we stand at the reading of God's word. I know it feels weird. You're in your home, you're on your couch, uh, but I still encourage you. Let's stand as we read God's word, knowing this comes from God, so that we'd be equipped, so that we'd be trained to live in whatever situation comes in a day like this where there's a global pandemic. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious? can add a single hour to his span of life. And why, <clears throat> and why are you anxious about it? clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what, that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Our Father. Now, Father, we come to you now, and Father, I pray that you would help me as I speak your word out. May, may your word go forth with clarity. I pray that your spirit will take forth your word and work it into our hearts and our souls and our minds, and we'd be refined at this time. I pray that we'd be more molded into your image. I pray that our hearts would be encouraged, that our faith would be strengthened. And I pray that 
that as we go through a topic of anxiety that I know that Satan would want nothing more than to twist and, and, and to somehow distort this message. But I pray that by your power, you bring uh, that it would go forth with clarity and you would accomplish all that you desire and purpose with it. Lord, help us to be a people who are not anxious. Help us to be a people that trust in you. Help us to be a people because of our trust in you, because of our citizenship and your kingdom, that we shine brightly as lights in this world right now. In your wonderful name, Jesus, amen. The main point today, what I want us to see more than anything else, is that we overcome anxiety by trusting in our good King, Jesus Christ, that he will supply all of our needs. And so what's going to happen now is Jesus, in our text, is he's going to walk through and he's going to give us five reasons that we do not need to be anxious. And he's not going to give us just positive thinking. Just, hey guys, it's going to get better. Hey, just think positive. Positive thinking in and of itself has no substance to it. It's just a, a wishful hope, but there's no, no concreteness to it. Rather, what Jesus is going to do in his text is he's going to say, guys, I want you to think biblically. I want you to think rightly. I want you to take your faith, and I want you to see how God made the world, and I want you to understand who God is, what he has done for us in Jesus Christ, and how he provides for our needs each and every day. And so for the first one, Jesus is going to say, think rightly about life. Look at verse 25. Jesus asked the question, is not life more than food and clothing? Now in Romans 1.25, we see that because of sin, we worship creation. Ever since uh, sin came into the world with Adam and Eve, all of humanity has been plagued with sin. We are born in sin. And so all that we do is sinful. And so therefore, we naturally worship things of creation. We naturally worship things other than God. We worship money and power and sex and pleasure and possessions and all of these things. In fact, John Calvin, the great reformer, said that we are idol factories. We constantly just worship things. We take good things in creation, things that God's meant to bless us with, and we distort them and twist them and try to make them great things that we would, that we would worship them. And when we do that, we become anxious. All we can do is begin to think about them. All of life seems incomplete if we don't, if we don't have it. And anxiety can feel like this giant weight that's just holding us down, that's burdening us, that's causing us to pursue these things that we want, and yet we're constantly just weighed down, we're worried about them, we're wanting them, and yet we can never fully grasp them. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, this is what Jesus, or this is what the writer says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. So I just want to ask, are you feeling weighed down right now? Are there things just in life that are just kind of plaguing you that you cannot seem to take your focus off of? Are you anxious about COVID-19 and all the things that we're reading about the, or hearing about on the news? I want to encourage you, stay with us as we go through this text. I want you to think about this text. There's good news in this text for every single one of us. 
Let's come back to Matthew. Jesus is talking about food and clothing. Now, those are good things. In fact, I, I would say that we would all agree food and clothing are necessities. And so when Jesus says, it's not life more than food and clothing, he's not picking these superfluous things. He's choosing things that we all need. And I think we could all agree that we can be anxious about a lot of things. But we certainly could be anxious about the necessities of life, like food and clothing. So how is it, Jesus says, you don't need to be anxious about food and clothing? Well, I think Jesus illustrates it when he goes in to a passage in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, this is what, uh, this is what he does. Jesus gives a parable. It's about a rich man, and he has uh, all these barns, and in these barns he puts all of his grain, and he puts all of his possessions, and he fills them. He says, wow, I got more stuff. So he builds bigger barns, and he puts more possessions in them, and more grain. And then after he does all that, he sits back and he goes, I'm doing pretty good. I have all that I need. And this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He says, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Look, food, clothing, money, storehouses full of grain. None of those things is what life is all about. Your pantries can be stocked with, with food. Your closets can be bursting forth with brand new clothes. And you can still face the judgment of God. Jesus is reminding his disciples of what he said earlier in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Things of earth are going to pass away. What matters most is what you treasure in heaven. You see, anxiety is what narrows our vision. It makes us think that, think that only what is most important is right here in front of us. And it kind of blocks out everything else. And so Jesus right here is saying, look, life is more than food and clothing. In fact, uh, many of you know that um, back earlier in February, my mom, my mom passed away. And as we're in the hospital room with my mom, and we're, we're kind of just surrounding her and praying for her, and our hearts are just heavy at this time. You know what my mom is anxious about? Or should I say, you know what my mom is not anxious about? She doesn't care about what food is in the pantry at that moment. She's not caring about her clothing at that moment. She's not caring about how clean her house is at that moment. She's not even caring about her makeup at that moment and how she looks, which if you know my mom, she was always just this beautiful woman who presented herself. Rather, what mattered most is if she had a relationship with God and had forgiveness of sins and knew Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she had that. And so all of those other things, food and clothing, they were not important as she was approaching eternity. And for my, my dad, my sister, me, and their family members that were in that room, while our hearts were weighed down as we're just watching my mom just kind of pass into eternity. Like our hearts, while they were heavy, they were not weighed down with anxiety. But we had a joy because we know that my mom loved Jesus. And we knew that as she closed her eyes here, she'd be opening them with Christ. 
Because we know that life is more than food and clothing. Above all, life is first and foremost. Do we know Jesus Christ? Are we citizen of God's kingdom? Have we been forgiven of our sins? So that's where Jesus starts. He just wants us to say, life is more than what you're thinking about. It's about the kingdom. It's about God's glory. And you might say, okay, but food and clothing is important. And if we're going to live for the kingdom, if we're going to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, then, then we kind of need food and clothing, don't we? Okay, just hang on to that and we'll get to that thought. Next point. Jesus wants us to think rightly about the goodness of our God. Twice in our text, Jesus tells us to look at some form of creation. In verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds. In verse 28, Jesus says, look at the flowers. Uh, and in these verses, Jesus is going to use what is in Latin called an affortory argument. I'm not sure if I said that right. Uh, but what basically that means is it says, is uh, if one fact is true, then we can uh, infer that a second, uh, a second fact is also true. And so first, let's look at the birds and we'll see the argument there. And then we'll go to the flowers. In verse 26, Jesus points out that the, the birds are not out storing up food for months to come. They're not like farmers. They're not sowing. They're not reaping. But each day they go out, they gather the food that they need for that day. And notice who it says who feeds them. Notice these words. It says, your heavenly Father feeds them. Notice it doesn't say the Creator feeds them. It doesn't say the birds, heavenly Father created or feeds them. He says, your heavenly father created them. You, if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a child of God, your heavenly father is the one who feeds the birds. And then notice what he says. Are you not of much more value than they? Just think about that. I hope you notice, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. You are precious to God. He loves you. He has adopted you into his family. And he desires to meet all of your needs. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, just one page over, Jesus says, if your earthly fathers give you good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask him? I just want you to think about that. God loves his children, and he loves to provide for them. You see, Jesus is not saying that food and clothing are not important. What he's saying is that you don't need to be most concerned about those things. God knows that you need them, and he will provide them. Now let's look at verse 28. Jesus asks, why are you anxious about clothing? He says, consider the lilies of the field. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this approach. Someone comes up to you and says, man, I'm really struggling with my marriage. Hey, parenting is really hard right now. i got some financial problems. Uh, you know, I'm worried about coronavirus, whatever it is. And you say, well, hold on here. Why don't we look at some flowers? Let's go to the garden. Let's look at the flowers. Let's look at your yard. And it'll all get worked out. That seems kind of silly, doesn't it? But there's actually a really good truth there, and Jesus is going to bring this out. We should probably go look at creation a lot more for what it tells us about who our God is. And so, in verse 30, Jesus says, God clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? 
Again, Jesus uses this affortory argument where he says, if God does this, if this is true, God clothes the flowers in the fields, will he not also do this and clothe you? Now, I don't think the main point is that uh, we live longer than the flowers in the fields, and that's why God is going to take care of us. For actually, when we look at God's word, uh, throughout the Bible, many times we're compared to the grass, we're compared to flowers, and the fact that we are finite, and that we fade away. Rather, I think what uh, Jesus is doing, is using the same argument that he used with the birds. He's saying, are you not of more value than birds? And now he's saying, are you not of more value than in the flowers and the fields of the grass? I mean, you are made in the image of God. And if you've believed in Jesus Christ, you've been adopted into his family. You are God's child. Of course he will take care of you. He knows your needs and he desires to meet them. But now notice the last words of verse 30. Oh, you of little faith. Now, Jesus uses these words four times in the book of Matthew altogether. Here in Matthew 6, uh, he uses them also in chapter 8, verse 26, chapter 14, verse 31, and chapter 16, verse 8. Homework, go look at those and just see what God says there. But what we realize is when we look at all of those, and this one here, he's not saying, guys, you don't have faith. Rather, what he's saying is you're not using your faith. You're not thinking with your faith. You're not thinking biblically right now. If we are anxious, if we're denying that God is the one who provides for us, we're not understanding who God is. We're forgetting that he is our good heavenly father who desires to meet all of our needs. You see what now here in verse 30, we're beginning to get to the heart of the problem of anxiety. You see, anxiety is not just a physical problem. Anxiety is first and foremost a theological problem. It's, an it's a problem of how we're understanding God, how we're thinking about Him, what He has done for us, and how He provides for us each and every day. When we are anxious about the things of this world, we're denying the goodness of our God. We're forgetting that He is our Father and we are His child. Now, think about Romans 8.28, or actually Romans 8.32. This is probably the greatest affortory argument that we have in the Bible. It says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So here's the argument. If Jesus, if God did not hold back his son from going to the cross, from dying on the cross and rising in three days later, that he would pay the penalty for our sins. If God did that to meet our greatest need, how will he not now also meet all of our other needs, our lesser needs? Not that they're not important, like food and clothing, but they're certainly less important than our sin problem with God. And so... What Jesus is doing in this passage in Romans 8 and all here in, in Matthew chapter 6 is he's directing us. He's shepherding us back to the Father. He's reminding us who we are. He's calling us to think biblically, to understand that we are children of God and that our God not only saves us from our sins, but he supplies all of our needs each and every day. Now, let's go to the next argument. Here Jesus says, 
think about the futility of, or think rightly about the futility of anxiety. Look back at 27. This is what Jesus says. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Now just think about that. Does, does anxiety increase your life? Does anxiety give you one more day to live? No, in fact, we all know just from scientific studies uh, that anxiety increases our heart rate, increases our blood pressure. It causes an immense amount of physical problems. In fact, it can greatly shorten one's life. But I think there's more to this verse than just realizing that it doesn't add anything to our life. Look at where it falls in the argument of the text. Before verse verse, uh, 27, we have the fact that Jesus says, look at the birds. God provides the birds, therefore he will provide for you. Right after verse 27, we then have uh, verses 28, 29, and 30, which Jesus says, look at the flowers. God provides for all the flowers. Will he not also provide for you? So in between these verses that talk about God providing for us is this verse that says, what good is anxiety? Does it do anything? He's showing the futility of anxiety. You see, the futility of anxiety is that it denies the providence of God. It makes us think that we're to trust in ourselves rather than trust in God. Do you understand that? Anxiety wants you to trust in yourself rather than trust in God. This is why we battle against it. This is why we fight against it. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones was so helpful for me in his book on spiritual depression, chapter one. He says, guys, we need to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. What he meant is that when our minds are just kind of running, they, they will be consumed with anxiety. They'll be consumed with the things of this world. And when that happens, what we need to do is take the truths of scripture, what Jesus is doing here and say, hold on, this is what I know is true. And we need to preach to ourselves the truths of God's word. Our God is good, and he provides for the needs of his children. Therefore, why am I being anxious? Next point. Jesus says, think rightly about who you are. In verse uh, 31, Jesus says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what should we eat, or what should we drink, or what should we wear? Verse 32, he says, uh, because these are the things that the Gentiles seek after, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So he says, we're not to be anxious, and then he says, the Gentiles are the ones who pursue these things. They're the ones who pursue after food and drink and clothing. Don't be like them. So the question is, who are these Gentiles? The Gentiles, uh, well, one, your translations might say idolaters instead of Gentiles. And I think that's a helpful translation because what Jesus is saying is those who don't worship God are the ones who pursue those things. But if you're a child of God, then know that your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. The Gentiles are those who don't worship God. They're the ones who worship creation. They are those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ. They are not citizens of God's kingdom. They do not have the assurance of God in their hearts because they've not trusted in him. They've made themselves king over their own lives. And they're saying, look, if I'm going to get things out of this world, if I'm going to make it to the top, it'll be by my abilities and my resources. And therefore, they try to control as much as they can. And the more that we control, the more that we try to obtain, the heavier our hearts become. They become weighed down and the more anxious 
we are. But we as Christians, we have a true and enduring hope that our God will provide for everything that we need. Now, that doesn't mean we don't work, but it means that we don't have to be anxious about it. We're not putting our ultimate hope in our abilities, in our power, in our resources, but as we work hard, we're trusting that God will provide, that God will um, meet the very needs that we have. Hear this. If you're watching this today, and if you're wrestling with anxiety, then I, I pray that you will come before Christ today, give him your burdens, that he would take those. Know that he has gone to the cross for you. Know that he has risen from the grave so that you could be forgiven of your sins. And what he says is repent and believe in him. I encourage you to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Stop trying to Pursue things in your own power. Stop trying to obtain things in your own power. Stop trying to store up treasures here on earth. Now, I imagine there might be some of you, and you're listening to this, and you're going, you know, I'm actually pretty good. I don't really have needs. I'm not very anxious. I kind of have all the things that I want. In fact, I've got quite a few luxury items as well. Well, for you, I, I would encourage also, come and repent, because what we saw earlier you can lay up your treasures on earth, but they do not last. There is still a day that comes when we stand before Jesus Christ, our King. And if we have not repented and believed in Him, if He is not our Savior, then He will be our judge. And we will face His wrath. And so while appearances would say, it looks like you're good, I would say come and understand what God says about who you truly are because of sin, what your biggest need is that you're a sinner needing the grace of God and understand that God has met that need through the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ. And all, that you do, and all that you need to do to receive Him is to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Stop trusting in worldly treasures. Stop trusting in the things in your garage and things in your house and the things that you're pursuing after. Trust in our King and our Savior who promises to meet everything that you need. Jesus then says in Matthew 6.33, because we're not Gentiles, this is how we live. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus is calling us to live a life that pleases God. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about what a life looks like to live for the glory of our King. We're to love our neighbors, we're to love our friends, we're to love our family, we're to love our enemies, we're to serve those around us, we're to, we're to spend time in prayer. In fact, Jesus says that we are to ask each day for our daily bread, coming before him, knowing that he is the one who meets our needs. All throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he's describing the way the Christian lives. In fact, I think Paul, in the book of Acts, verse, uh, in Acts chapter 20, when he's giving his last words to the Ephesians, he gives a pretty good synopsis of this. He says in verse 24 of chapter 20, I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I, that I have received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, look, the only thing I want to do is I want to proclaim God. I want to live for the glory of God. In other words, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's what Paul wants to do. And then notice the promise at the end of verse 33. 
all these things will be added unto you. So when we asked the question earlier, okay, but we need food. We need clothing. Yeah, your heavenly father knows exactly what you need. And he says, if you will live a life of faith, if you will trust in him, if you will work hard, love your families, do everything for the glory of God, he promises that he will meet our needs. You see why we don't need to be anxious? As children of God, God provides for us. You see, when we come to our text, we, do, we have a God who is both good and great. I think this is what one of the things that stood out to me the most. Like, in this text, we don't have a great God who's just, he's really powerful, he created everything, and he doesn't care about you. Nor do we just have a merely a good God. He's really kind. He's really loving. He would love to help you, but he just simply doesn't have the power to do so. But rather, what Jesus is showing is that our God, the God of the Bible, is both good and great. I mean, he's the one who created all things. He's the one who sustains all things. He's the one who has the power who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross three days later, rising from the, from the grave, conquering sin, death, and Satan, promising that we who believe in him, that we will have everlasting life. And in Philippians 1.6, he says, I, I promise that I will complete the work that I began in you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, When the day comes that Jesus returns, all who see Jesus will become like him, for we will see him as he is. In Romans 8, it says, All those who have been justified will also be glorified. Jesus says, All of those promises are true, because I am the great Father, and I am good, and I love you, and I have sent my Son Jesus for you. Trust in me. Live for me. Store up treasures in heaven, not on earth. Who our God is, understanding that he is great and that he is good, is meant to crush the anxiety that builds up in our heart. And it's meant to bring comfort. It's meant to bring hope to our souls, to our hearts, and to our minds. It's meant to give us peace. And we have one, um, we have one, more, one more point. Before we get to that, let me just give three ways that God often meets our needs. Number one, it's through his word. I encourage you, read his word. It's through the Bible that God refines the things that we want. It's through the Bible we, uh, we know what it is that we do need. It's through the Bible that we understand who our God is and how we endure through times of difficulty. Secondly, I would, I would encourage us to be in prayer. As I already said earlier in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, we're to come before God each and every day and say, God, give us this day our daily bread. I trust in you to give me the things that I need. And lastly, know that through other believers, God often meets the needs of his children. So if you have resources right now, if you have toilet paper, if you have whatever you have, I encourage you, call, call your family. Call the church. Call people in the church and outside the church. Show them the love of Christ right now. God uses his people as the means, as the gracious means in which to answer the prayers of his people. So go. God has blessed you with resources that you would then be a blessing to others. Now last, last point. Jesus says, think rightly about today. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, Do not be anxious for tomorrow, 
for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, Jesus is not saying don't make plans. He's not saying it's wrong to have 401ks and all that kind of stuff. But he's saying, let our focus be on today. One thing the coronavirus, I think, has really revealed is that we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Each day just seems to be different. Each day there seems to be uh, more news that comes out uh, from the president about things that we can do, restrictions. Governors in each state are making restrictions. I mean, I don't think any of our uh, New Year's resolutions included how to survive a pan or that we desire to survive a pandemic this year. I don't think that's what we were shooting for. In fact, probably if someone had come to you and said, all right, Later this year, we're going to be in pandemic. You're probably going to experience a lockdown. You're going to be in your house. You're going to experience a shortage of supplies, like toilet paper, like hand sanitizer, and a bunch of other things. You might say, I don't think that can happen. And you might get pretty anxious about it, saying, there's no way that I could survive something like that. And yet, today, Jesus gives you the grace that you need to meet all the things that come today. That's the point of this text. It's not that we need to, <clears throat> it's not about tomorrow, it's about each and every day. God, as our Father, gives us the grace we need for whatever comes today. So, for your family, uh, your kids, having patience with your family, especially as kind of we're in a lockdown time, getting things done, worrying about finances, worrying about COVID-19, all of those things, God is going to meet all those needs today. And tomorrow, whatever difficulties you have, God's going to meet those needs tomorrow with his grace. And the day after, God is going to meet all those days that day with all those needs that day with his grace. You know, it was helpful. One time, I forget exactly who it was. I want to say John Piper, but I'm not 100% sure. Someone came up to him and said, I don't think I could be an overseas missionary because I don't think I could be martyred. I don't know that I could hold to my faith on that day. I think I would give up. I think I would deny Jesus and, and, and try to just save my own life. And John Piper looked at him, or, or whoever the person was at that time, and said, you're right. Right now, you might do that. But he said, on that day, God will give you the grace that you need to stand firm in the faith. And right now, today, God is going to give you the grace you need that you can respond in love and patience and kindness with all those you, you encounter. That God is going to overcome whatever anxiety you're facing today. That God will meet all of your needs today and tomorrow. He will do the same. And the next day he will do the same. In fact, let me read to you one last verse. Ephesians 2, 7. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I encourage you to go read all of chapter 2 in Ephesians. But here's verse 7. He says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What Jesus is saying is, uh, what God is saying is, I've saved you, and I'm going to give you grace right now. And when Jesus returns for all of eternity, I will give you grace. Never in all of your life, now or in eternity, in the new heavens and new earth, will we ever cease to experience the very grace of God. Lord, I pray that comforts you. I pray that blesses your soul. I pray that leads you to praise to our God. Never will he stop doing good for you because he is a good and great and gracious father. He's demonstrated his love for you in Jesus and he will never hold back his love. We're going to go into a time of communion now.
And I want to encourage you. Take some time and, and, and spend some time in prayer and repentance. If you've been anxious about things, I want to encourage you to, to bring those to God and repent of them. Ask forgiveness. And if you don't even know what to do, say, God, I know I'm anxious about this. I just need help right now. God, comfort me. God, bring me your blessing. Lord, help me not to be anxious. Help me to trust in you. And I also want to encourage you during this time and even later today, take time and think about the ways that God gives you grace each and every day. Think through the ways that God blesses you. Think through the ways over the last few weeks God has provided everything that you need. And take time and just praise him. Praise him individually. Praise him as a family. I'm going to pray and then we're going to take communion. Our Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that, Father, you are with us. And because you are with us, you know our needs. And you promise to meet them because you are good and gracious and great Father. Lord, we praise you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.